0: Hi there, local citizens. It's Florence Adu, your host for the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. My guest this week is coming to us in a two-part interview, so he'll be with us this week and next week. He is a singer, songwriter, music producer, and designer that originates from the D.C. area. He's currently based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. So we're happy to have Kenny Allen join us. And in part one, we're talking about his inspiration, his background, and how he came to be where he is in Ethiopia. And in part two, we'll, as usual, get deeper into the business of the conversation. So please relax and enjoy my interview with Kenny Allen. Kenny, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to share this this time with you. And uh, I'm based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, but I'm I'm currently uh, on on a little holiday in, in nice. my in my native country. <laughs>
0: you're doing you're doing a summer vacation.
1: Yes, yeah, summer or vacation
0: holiday or holiday, as we we say it on the other sides of the world.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Right. So, Kenny, tell us more about where in D.C. you're from and where are you local and what exactly is your craft?
1: OK, well, I've grown up in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, OK, I live there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Silver Spring is a, is, a, is a little bit of a melting pot of a lot of people and nations. And so, you know, it, it was always very, like, interesting to meet people from around the globe and just happened to find myself meeting a, an Ethiopian singer her name was Waina and oh
0: uh, wow i've seen her perform
1: yes and yeah. Waina had been, had been singing with Stevie Wonder for some spell of time for some tours or whatever but before i go into that i'll just say like you know i have been making music and producing music for about uh, 25 years and also, you know, sort of fashion became an extension of the music. And I'm sure we'll get all into the deep details of it. So, yeah, just currently in uh, Maryland, Bowie, Maryland, uh, with my family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying summer, <laughs> escaping okay. escaping the rain.
0: Right, right, right. So tell us more about your local experience in Ethiopia. So you you mentioned you saw performer, Wayna, and did that, did she inspire or seeing that inspire you to choose Ethiopia? How did you choose Ethiopia as your, your current home?
1: Well, I was a part of a, a very, a very emerging uh, music scene and, in, and uh, in, on U Street in DC in like the mid to late nineties and to 2000. And I was doing a, a show with, with Wayna and she was performing in front of 3000 Ethiopians. Mm-hmm. And she she asked me, hey, man, why don't you play a couple? I was playing guitar and doing backing vocals for her. And she said, why don't you play a couple songs to sort of open up the show for for us? And I didn't really think too much of it. I was I just felt like I was going to just be me. And that's what I did. And somehow the people were connected to it. Like I was really not playing Ethiopian music or anything like that. So the promoter of the concert was opening up a venue in Addis Ababa, uh, which is the capital of e- Ethiopia and he was like I'm looking for somebody who who's you know singing western quote unquote music and do you know anybody like this guy who might want to come for 6 months and so she was like well ask him and I had been touring with a lot of artists before that time and had been around the world in Europe and Asia and but I had never been on the continent so I was like well As long as I have a ticket home, I'm down for you know for seeing and uh, exploring and seeing what it what it could be like. And that six months now, fifteen years later, has uh, turned into an amazing, amazing journey with uh, you know tons and tons of great stories in between.
0: Okay, so you went for six months and you ended up relocating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. At the end of six months, I I mean, during that six, it was an adjustment, you know, it was like a whole, it was like sort of a rebirth to sort of uh, adjust and adapt to a whole new way of life. And by six months, I was sort of at least able to communicate basic survival phrases in Amharic, which is the, the local language. And I was you know, I was taking trips on my own outside of the capital. Yeah. So after about six months, you know, I was taking trips and learning a little bit of the language and yeah, I didn't feel like that that was the end of that experience, (laughs) so to speak. So.
0: Okay. Okay. So then, so you went there for music and you ended up staying. So how did you parlay that? So 15 years ago, whereabouts was, um, about two thousand five.
1: Yeah, that was two thousand five.
0: Okay, so the music scene here was. Tell us more about like the juxtaposition between the music scene here and the music scene there, and and what grounded you to be able to 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 be there and actually establish yourself in a way that allowed you to be a professional musician in another country.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, it's 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 actually pretty deep. I mean. What was happening in D.C. at the time was it was basically the beginning of a neo-soul movement. Right. Like conscious hip hop, conscious R&B, an extension of like what was happening in Philadelphia at that time. But with with its own kind of, you know, its own flair. And, you know, we just had a we had a great bunch of people, a great cast of artists who were sort of. Cutting their teeth on the, you know, in the open mic poetry scene, like specifically a place called Bar None, which is on on U Street.
0: I remember that place.
1: Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. that was really where it was happening. And but at that time, I guess people were people's wings were expanding beyond the wingspan of you know one corridor of a city, and we just all sort sort of started branching out to find our our you know find our place. Really. So at that time, it it just kind of made sense for me to sort of go and experience something that I would not have experienced in that sort of day to day scenario. And in fact, when I went to Ethiopia, like it really was, I was really doing cover songs, you know, like, but there was an era in Ethiopian history where. They did not have much access to the outside world. So the mm-hmm. 80s the '80s was like a time where, you know, a, a few records came in and they were nostalgic. So, I mean, I grew up on those songs, but I actually never really even performed that kind of music. But I came in like, oh, yeah, like on like a rock and roll <laughs> slash, <sighs> you know, like I'm in Africa now. This is, a, you know, this is awesome. So I had an energy that they had never really experienced because their their musical performances were a lot of like five singers on the bill. Each singer sings two songs and says, thank you, and leaves the the stage. And I was like doing two and a half hour shows without a break, you know, with full energy, like concert style. And very early on, I, I discovered that if I were to learn Ethiopian music and Ethiopian songs, I could really connect. To the local people, and what what was happening? The place was called Harlem Jazz, and uh, a, a guy called Emmanuel Mokria was a was the guy who brought me there with uh, another woman named Jordana. And what was happening is there was people from all walks of life who came every Friday for what turned into like five years to really enjoy what was happening, and it was something that never really happened. There's a very sort of class and financial status thing that happens that usually prevents people from all walks of life to socialize together. Mm -hmm. But I had created, or me and my band at the time, or in those times, had created such a universal expression that it was just like, you know, really, really, it was like a a movement in a way. And it really was a beginning of a live band revival that is actually still prevalent today.
0: Interesting. So, tell us about the the Addis that you went that you arrived in versus mm-hmm. the Addis that you live in now, because I think that there have been, I want to say, not miraculous, but serious changes in in Africa. Most African countries, most African uh, major cities, in the last. 10, 15 years. I've seen it in Accra. I've seen it in Nigeria. I've seen it in most, most countries, most African major cities that I've been to. So tell us about how Addis has changed.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that allured me in the beginning was it sort of felt like a small town and a small Mm -hmm. village inside of a, you know, what we would think of as a city. And, And it was very, you know, you could go one place and go to the next place and see the same people who were at the, you know, it, it moved in waves of familiarity. And I I quite like that, you know, and, you know, coming from DC and having traveled a lot, you know, through the States and abroad, you know, it was such a bigger thing. And, I, and what I liked about it at those times was it was quite concentrated and it felt very like family, you know, and, over the years like you know there's been so much development and so many roads and and even like an uh an increase in other foreign nationals coming to Ethiopia and doing business and so the, it's it's really just quite expanded in a, in a in a an unthinkable exponential kind of way so that for the most part it's just the the expansion everything is expanded the skyline. You know, there's there's thousands more buildings. There's the main road used to be one way each way. Now it's four lanes each way. And uh, everything just expanded. I quite actually liked it the way it was when I came. I, I didn't really come for that, <laughs> to be honest. Like right. I came for for the you know the simplicity of it. And sure. one of the things though, you know, have being having a Western mind is like, yeah, You can grow those things, but every aspect of the culture has to grow, you know, with that in order for it to feel, you know, organic and and for it to feel complete. So I feel like we have in Ethiopia at the moment, there are things that are light years ahead of of where they used to be, but certain cultural isms and certain like things that that it's kind of like skipping the landline phone and going straight to a cell phone, right? It's yeah. like a lot of those things are missing, you know, and so that's it will take time for for it to, to complete its sort of uh, cocoon to butterfly evolution. But it's exciting, you know, because it there's with the perspective that I have from not being from there, but also the sensitivity and the the cultural considerations. It puts me in a very good position to be at the forefront of sealing the deal, if you will, as far as like the the evolution.
0: Yeah, I get it. So now I want to go back a little bit because music is your identity and it's it's your profession and it's what you have basically. Um, well, music and designing, but let's let's focus on music for the moment. How did you come to be a professional musician from a business perspective? What is it about your upbringing and about how you were able to leverage your personality, your resources, and what have you, to be a professional musician?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I come from a, a musical family. Both of my parents are musicians. So, mm. you know, it was actually <laughs> very strange because I just thought everybody had musical talents and wrote songs and played piano and guitar and bass and drums. And, you know, I, I was quite unaware of that it was a lane that I was in that not everybody was in. So okay. it took me like, actually, I, I didn't even think about music as a quote unquote career until after my first year of college where I, I came home for summer break and one of my best friends had just broken up with his girlfriend. He's like, I got a song and I think you play piano, don't you? And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. And then he's like, I want to record this song. And, I was, and so that was the beginning of a whole journey a whole the the extension of the journey that really started when I was three years old, like afternoons while other kids were playing football and sports. I was, you know, in a music school picking up instruments, you mm-hmm. know, just occupying my time. So I think, you know, I and I, I have this feeling that you kind of are born with the tools that you need to become who you will become. It's already there. So it's about tapping into that you know that gift, if you will, or that you know that sort of uh, head start on a genre or, or or a direction of life. So, like, it, it's always been in me, but when I really got into it, it became a passion. You know, I I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> okay. Trying to to get better at it or try to learn more.
0: Okay. Okay. So, how did you first make money
1: doing mm. it? Well, I mean. I became, you know, it, it, it was all based on songs. You know, you write a song, you record a song, and then you work for the song, basically. You know, that's, that's, a, it's a dying art, you know, because everybody these days in music is sort of working for their image. But, but in the, in the beginning, you know, when I first got into it, it was all about, hey, I made this record and I got these songs and we need to perform them. So it was a, an ecosystem of selling, you know, getting a gig, even at a local venue and, setting up your merchandise table and selling CDs. And I was one of the first people that I knew that had a professionally produced C D. What I mean by that is like the packaging was was like any other packaging. And, you know, even I have a friend he was like, when I first saw that record, I was like, well what label is he on? And and it was just an extension of I got in on the internet really early. I had a friend who okay. took me to the, the computer lab at University of Maryland, that's where I went to school, in 1992. In he was like, man, I want to show you this thing called the World Wide Web. And I was like, what? And, <laughs> I mean, that just blew my mind. And, and I was already making websites by 96. So the, okay. the extension of having a, merch, a product and then selling it was really natural for me. So it was like the gigs. And you made money on the gigs and selling CDs. People actually bought CDs at the, at the gig more than they would at a store. It was that moment that you kind of cashed in on. You just poured your heart out on stage and you say, hey, can you just buy my CD? It's 10 bucks. You're like, yeah, of course. You know, like,
0: yeah, I've because- been those. I have a lot of 10
1: bucks.
0: 10 bu- <laughs> and that's one of the things that I miss a lot about, first of all, you know, being here in the summer because live music is so, has is traditionally so much a part of summertime. And mm-hmm. so, so, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about how business is changing and how you're doing things differently based on um, the pandemic, but I want to take a, a side step. And so I have this kind of question that I ask, which is the why, the where. So you've kind of touched on how you got to be living in Ethiopia, but I want to get a little bit more detailed into how you came up to be living exactly where you are. So, you know, Addis is a fairly big city. So how did you choose which neighborhood? And then how did you set yourself up in working and playing and and creating a community Mm -hmm. in that?
1: Well, when I first went there, it was sort of part of the deal. Like I had very modest accommodations (laughs) early on. Mm -hmm. And I was really kind of in a one room with a bathroom kind of situation in a guest house. And and then one of my, a, a guy that I was producing, his girlfriend was leaving a place, which is actually where I still live. And I'm very, very fortunate enough to have been given this opportunity to find a place like I have. There are literally no more houses on my block they're all buildings. And I, and I have been there for almost 13 years, the same house. It's it's completely unheard of with anybody who's been in Ethiopia for that long. I know people who basically move every year. So the point is related to how, your question is like, a lot of times it's, it's the right place at the right time. And mm-hmm. to get to the right place at the right time, you got to go places. <laughs> you know, because... Yeah. The, to get to the right place at the right time is not like a you know it's like the lottery. Like the more you play, the more you're likely to win. So, the fact that I had sort of made myself a fixture, you know, in the in the scene, I, I inserted myself in the scene and created a sort of brand. And that now, when you, when you look at it this this time later, less of myself do I think of myself as I'm a musician. I just think of it as a, as a spoke in the wheel of the brand that I've created. Mm. So I think that is that idea and that concept. We can no longer be sort of specialist in an already specialized arena or field. We have to be able to, especially in Africa. Like Africa is like is the home of invention because not everything is available. So it just makes you think so out of the box on how to solve. Modern day problems in unorthodox manners, you know, so I think that's something that I've learned first and foremost is like there is nothing there's no problem i I consider to be unsurmountable <laughs>
0: yeah that's a very african mentality
1: absolutely like, yeah
0: east to west I haven't spent much or any time in East Africa yet, but I recognize that there is that spirit of of the continent that is everywhere. And so similarly to how life was when I first moved to to Accra, basically, and and I think being, cre- and we could talk a little bit more about this, I think being a creative puts you in a, another different situation yeah. to be able to be a fixture anywhere and be in mix with people and meet people and, and connect all the dots. Because I found that same thing where if I just went out, I would meet people and things would start to open up and things would just, you know, that's basically how it works. And I think that's a little bit of what, you know, most of our cultures are like. You, you so It's very socially based. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a school network or something that's kind of formal based on living there and growing up, then it's, you socialize, 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 and socialize more.
1: Absolutely. And I, I, I also feel like it's a situation that if you put yourself In a scenario that you can offer something that does not already exist. Mm. This is also a very like when if, if, if it's a subject of choosing where you settle down that's outside of your normal thing, I would definitely recommend that you be, you know, you offer something that is unique. You know, and that's that's what allowed me to sort of stand out and have even people checking for me. You know, like, well, Mm. hey, hey, Kay, I've got this place. I'm about to move out. You know, it's it's like sort of monument making a monument of yourself within your surroundings. You can't go to a place and then just sort of like entrench yourself in a cavernous (laughs) existence. You know, yeah. it, it, it has to. If you if you stepped out on on a on a leap of faith of of so so forth, you gotta kind of go go hard. <laughs> you go hard or go home, basically. So, and also, like, I mean, another thing in in my case is that I also got involved in business very early on, just due to the fact that I had these ideas that had never really been implemented. So people started to look to me and like, how do like solutions again solutions to to emerging modern problems like hey we want to build we want to open a club what kind of sound system do you need and i'm like i know i know sound systems i know you know i know this music thing from the inside out from backstage to to front of house you know these are the things you come with that knowledge and that experience and that's one of the things that that especially in africa to have a, a unique and different and distinctively different experience also give you, you know, it gives you some leverage, you know, and that's, you know, from that I was able to sort of get resonance and permit, you know, through business and and sort of investing in that local situation.
0: Got it. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So speaking of the local situation, I heard you doing full on interviews in (laughs) 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 Amarik. I mean, you are probably one of the very few of my guests that is, lives abroad and speaks the local language that, and you're not native to that place. So the question is, this is, this is where I, it's the Glocal Speak segment. And so I want to, we want to hear what you hear. So I asked my guest to share a word, phrase, or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value that as Glocal Speak.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think, I mean, anytime I go any place, I think the first thing that I always try to learn is how to say thank you. Sure. Because I, th- I think that's the, the most universal expression of gratitude. And it, it actually, we know that, that's, that it touches you. To, if, if you do something or if someone gives you something, you say thank you. That is like the most powerful like thing to say in someone's native language. And I, that is the word I remember asking first, how do mm-hmm. you say that? And, yeah. and I'm 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 hard, You say I'm a Say it again. I'm a I'm a seganalo. I'm a If you say that, you will fancy the pants off for any Ethiopian person. <laughs> 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 yeah. And I would actually also say another one, which is also a quite a more universal thing: salam, which means peace. Uh, salam. Salam is a very widely used word. Yes. People say salamno. It means like literally says do you have peace but it really means like hey what's up you know like so so those are two words that really stand out in my mind as like you know the quintessential uh vocabulary start in the heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
0: okay cool so we can say salam i'ma say good luck say it again i'ma say Uh good hello
1: I'm a you're, you're a natural. You're a natural. You're <laughs> are, you are a natural. <laughs> I
0: try. I try. I'm, I'm a ready to to Addis. I'm ready. Hey,
1: come through. Come through.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for joining us, Glocal Citizens. As always, you can find us at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you find your podcasts. Please do take time out to subscribe, to share, to comment, um, particularly for those of you who listen on Apple Podcasts, but on any platform. I really, really, really appreciate your feedback and letting me know what you'd like to hear, who you'd like to hear more of, and the types of guests that are inspiring in their local context. Please do join us again for part two of my discussion with Kenny Allen next week. And until next time, bye for now.